Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from its pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Please have a seat. Uh, And if you want to take up your Bibles and turn to page 552, um, uh, let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever laid on your back under a clear night sky and stared up at the stars and thought, wow, hands up. Yeah, I thought there'd be a few people like that. Um, uh, uh, Hands up if you have um, gone on a walk during the day, walked up a really high hill or mountain and looked across at a brilliant view of, of, well, just miles and miles of mountains, hills, forests, cities, whatever, and thought, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I thought there'd be a few people like that as well. Um, Hands up if you have laid basking on a sunny, warm beach into the early evening and watched as the sunset goes down and colours the sky red and orange and purple. And no doubt you felt awesome. You know, what is it about nature uh, that makes us love it so much? Uh, Why does it fill us with awe sometimes? Why does it make our hearts jump for joy? Well, this psalm tells us, look at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. A great work of art, when you see it, points towards a great artist, doesn't it? And the best works of art in all of creation, the stars, the hills, the sunsets, they speak of the best artist. Who is it? God. I think we'll bounce him on. There he is. 
Uh, it is, of course, God. Uh, but did you notice how um, there is something weird about the way that creation speaks? Um, there is a little um, uh, subnote on verse 3, which I think translates much better than the one that you've got there for verse 3. It says this, they have no speech. That's strange, isn't it? They use no words, no sound is heard from them. And then verse 4 goes on, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. The words, their words to the end of the world. Creation, the world, the universe is speech with no sound. Speech with no sound. Uh, it is possible to speak without words. Uh, for instance, what do you think I'm feeling now? Sad. Sad. Very good. What about this one? <sighs> Tired. What about this one? What do you say? Happy. Yeah, that's happy. I was just interested in what you thought of that one. Um, yeah, ha- you, you can speak without saying anything. In the same way, the heavens, the earth, the stars, they all tell us stuff without words. And they tell us what God's like. He is amazing. He is a creator. He is fantastic. He is big. He is kind. He is giving. All those things. And so we need to bother about the universe. When we see creation, it should make us think a little bit about God. Even fallen creation makes us think like that. But there is a problem with speech, with no sound. If I want you to meet me outside school where all your friends will be with a packed lunch to go for a walk the day after tomorrow at 1230 doesn't quite work with sort of facial expression and arm movements. You just can't do it, can you? And in the same way, uh, creation, this psalm tells us, isn't enough. Uh, It's not totally clear. It's not perfect. But verse 7 says, have a look down at it, the law of the law is, the law of the Lord is perfect. And when Psalm 19 talks of, and I think we've put them up on the screen, uh, of all these things the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the precepts, the commands, the decrees. Um, what do you think it's talking about? What's that? The Bible. It is. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It is the Bible. This book is something that tells us enough. It doesn't leave anything out. It couldn't be clearer. It's in black and white there for you. It gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And did you notice how good it is? Uh, Just look at the words used to describe uh, God's words in the Bible. Uh, I think we put those on the screen, the bold ones. Perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, um, firm, righteous. Now, they're amazing descriptions, these, aren't they? Let's have a look at them one by one. Perfect. Uh, The Bible is flawless. Trustworthy. You can totally and utterly rely on it. Right. And that right is like a, a straight edge, like a... A protractor or a set square, uh, which you measure things with. Uh, You measure where they're at with what's in the Bible. We measure everything with what's in the Bible. Nothing can measure the Bible. It is the thing that judges all standards. Uh, Radiant. It shines on a sometimes very dark world. It's firm. A place to lay a really good foundation on. Uh, It's righteous. Every little bit of what is said in this book is equally important and equally right. It is 100% guaranteed assured. So if the Bible is all those things, then you'll not be surprised to find that David says, this this book is is a powerfully useful tool. I don't know what your Christmas present parcel was like. Um, uh, Parcel pile, sorry, was like. Uh, As you get older, the pile gets smaller. Um, and, uh, but, but the good thing about it, even though it gets smaller, is it gets more useful. So I was very excited to get in my present pile 
a bicycle multi-tool, 14 functions, which means that when I go out on my bike, I can fix punctures, I can tweak my gears, I can adjust my brakes. No cyclist should leave home without one. He would be a fool to leave home without this multi-tool. If only I got that excited about my powerfully multi-tool, the Bible, powerfully useful multi-tool, the Bible. Uh, David paints a picture in verses 7 and 8 of just some of the functions that our Bibles have. Uh, It's an imaginary picture, but my guess is that if Paul was able to produce his Bible multi-tool, it would look something like this. Uh, Here's uh, one I made earlier on. Uh, uh, Let's have a look at some of the things uh, this uh, powerful multi-tool does. Uh, Well, first of all, um, it uh, refreshes the soul. Um, now, your soul is, uh, <laughs> your soul is who you really are. Um, it, it, it's uh, the person that you ought to be deep down, who you were meant to be. Uh, and this book, as we read it, <sighs> refreshes, your, <laughs> refreshes your soul. Um, it shows you uh, what, who you really, really are. Um, Tim Keller, as he's thinking on this particular verse, he says, the Bible is the only place where you will find out how bad you really are, but also find out how amazing you really are. And we'll be thinking a little bit about that as we go on. Second thing, it makes wise the simple. <laughs> oh, I've lost me a bit of blue tack now. Here you go. It makes wise the simple. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been very uh, fortunate in life to come across some really wise people. Uh, people who have helped me when I've struggled, who've answered my questions Christianly, all those sort of things. Uh, maybe you've got similar sort of people, uh, Christian mums and dads or Christian friends or Christian church leaders who've helped you. Have you ever wondered why, why it is that they're so wise? Well, it's because they trust in the trustworthy words that are in this book. So if you're a simple person who wants to get wiser, then get out your Bible multi-tool. It's totally (laughs) useful. It's totally useful. Uh, It refreshes the store, and if I stick that back on there, it makes wise the simple. Uh, What else then? Um, Well, uh, our next thing is uh, that it uh, brings joy to the heart. Reminds us over and over again, uh, the Bible does, doesn't it, how much God loves us. Um, how much he wants what's best for us. And as we look at this little happy heart that's there, it really does bring joy to the heart. Oh, the, the wisdom drops out every now and again, but it doesn't really. Here we go. Let's put that there. Uh, stay on this time. Um, yeah, it, it, brings, it brings joy to the heart. Um, so we find that God always wants to give his children good things, doesn't he? Um, And all the things that he tells us in here are because he wants what's best for us. Nothing other than that brings joy to the heart, makes wise the simple, and refreshes the soul. And finally, it gives light to the eyes. Uh, This uh, uh, powerfully useful uh, Bible multi-tool acts as a guide in a dark world. Uh, It shows us the right path. It helps to light the way um, behind as we look back in history, as Paul was even saying this morning, um, but also forward as we look into 2014. Now, while uh, David um, uh, is really helpful 
telling me about this Bible multi-tool, um, uh, while he says how useful it actually is, um, and also uh, tells me not to leave home without it, any sensible Christian would be a fool to do that, and my Bible also leaves me feeling a little bit uneasy, a little bit helpless, and maybe you've thought this as you've uh, read that psalm earlier on, because I know I'm not being really wise as I ought to be. Um, I know that I'm not really who I ought to be. I know that um, God uh, loves me. I know his law is a great thing, but I don't always feel very joyful about it. In fact, quite the opposite about some of the things that it tells me. Uh, And I know that I'd rather stay in the dark about some things. So how on earth do I start to feel like David feels, uh, like he says I should feel about the Bible? He says in verse 10, uh, it's like getting gold. Um, you know, we should feel as we read the Bible like we've won the lottery. He says it's like honey, honey from the comb. It should leave us as satisfied and lip smackingly good as any great meal. So, how on earth am I going to sort this out? Because it doesn't leave me feeling like that. You know, I don't go to the Bible study desperate to be there. Um, I don't get up uh, first thing in the morning to do my quiet time gagging for it. I wonder how many of you came to church this morning thinking, yes, I'm going to get gold and honey, it's going to be brilliant. I doubt it. Well, like David, we are plagued and troubled, and I guess sometimes even overwhelmed as, uh, with what he calls in verse 12 and 13, errors, hidden faults, willful sins. So just in summary, where have we got to? Well, um, creation hints at this special artist. But that's not enough. Uh, And so we have the Bible. Uh, It's perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, firm, righteous. A powerful multi-tool that no sensible Christian would be without as it refreshes the soul, makes wise the simple, gives joy to our heart and lights our eyes. And yet my brain and my heart still seem to just forget it or ignore it or not bother with it. It's just so annoying. I don't know whether you feel like that sometimes too. But David mind-blowingly finishes his psalm by saying this, and have a look down at these verses because they're just bonkers, really. After knowing all this, after seeing all this, he's still able to say, verse 14, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock. How can God be pleased with all this person thinks and says when he's just like me, a man who gets it wrong? And if you read David's story, you'll know how wrong he can get it. If only there's somebody who could help here. If only somebody who could sort of shake me up and get me to see how good the Bible is. If only there was some way to rewire my thinking and and my heart and my feeling. Well, of course there is. Uh, uh, We've already seen that God's a good God. And even in this psalm, I think he points to someone who will make all the difference when it comes to reading our Bible in 2014. Just look at verses four to six. As David tells us about the son, like a bridegroom, like a champion who gets everywhere, bringing warmth to everything. Could it be Jesus? Uh, When I hear in John 1 that Jesus is the word, that makes me look back at things that might bug me sometimes when I hear that the Bible is law or statute or precept or command or decree. Sounds like rules, but these are rules of the Lord and Jesus is the word. It's, It's him who's speaking. And what about that last word of the whole psalm? Lord, my rock and my redeemer and that's the brilliant bit because redeemer means saviour it means rescuer Um, uh, this rewire that my heart needs that we're going to think about in communion in a moment uh, this shake that I need is to know that Jesus 
died in my place for all the times I ignore what he says in his word. And he helps me then to see the Bible for what it really is. Reading your Bible in 2014, it's not a take it or leave it. Reading your Bible in 2014, it's not just an intellectual brain exercise like some English lesson. Reading your Bible in 2014, it's not just something that you have to do in order to be a good Christian. It's about meeting with Jesus, who brings warmth and light to every situation, who meets us in every little bit of the Bible, who, who rescued us so that we could see how good it is to meet him as we read it. Let me just show you how. There's a, there's a table over in the atrium, and you might like to have a look at it if you're thinking again about how you might go about reading the Bible and praying, as we talked about last week. If you weren't here, there's some resources there that might help you. Um, if you go over there, you'll find uh, Tamar's little book of, uh, for families um, of how you might read different parts of the Bible and introduce your whole family to Jesus. Um, or maybe you could pick up the uh, Explore Time with God notes. This is just a starter um, for how you might uh, look, at, look at the Bible and it, it talks of Jonah in this, Jonah is one of the little sections uh, Jonah, a book of Jonah who points towards a, a man who was thrown into the storm a true and better man who was thrown into the storm um, to rescue us, Jesus, it's about Jesus um, what about uh, forward Bible training? There's some leaflets over there. Maybe you could give up a Tuesday, a Thursday um, morning or afternoon to come and uh, find out a little bit more. Meet God in Revelation we're doing in the morning uh, next, uh, uh, next uh, term. Revelation, where we hear that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. It's all about Jesus. Um, and, and maybe you could uh, try this one. This is my favourite, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, even in the title, it reminds us what the Bible is. Every story whispers his name. It's about Jesus. Psalm 19 is not calling you to a New Year's resolution. Uh, it's not telling you off. It's not trying to leave you feeling guilty or bad. It's just an invitation to meet more with Jesus through this book. What could be better than that? What could be better than that? Uh, we're going to pray now. Uh, I'm going to get the rest of the family up. Um, and uh, So if you'd like to join us as we pray.